Hi everyone, welcome to the Understand the Bible podcast. You're about to listen to the next sermon on Daniel chapter 4. This is the final part on Daniel chapter 4 from verses uh, 28 to 37. And this is where we see the fulfilment of the prophecy that was going to happen to Nebuchadnezzar. You might like to have a read of the passage and have it open in front of you as you listen. Just to let you know that if you'd like to support Understand the Bible, there is a Patreon account available and the link will be available in the description down below. And there is more content available on YouTube, although I have been having a bit of a gap uh, this week. I've been working through a series on the Apostles' Creed and next week we're going to be looking at the Holy Spirit. So if that's interesting to you, do have a look at the YouTube and again the link is down below. So thanks so much everyone for joining me. I hope that you enjoy and I'll let you get on with the sermon. Well, there's a story about the the Titanic, um, and I don't know if this is true or not. This may be one of those things which just gets repeated, um, and I'm not sure there's any actual evidence that that, that anyone said it. But it is said that uh, the the designer of the the Titanic was once asked, you know, what could sink what could sink the ship, and and he replied, not even God could sink the Titanic. And you think, well. I mean, that was just inevitable what happened, wasn't it, really? That was just tempting, <coughs> tempting things. But that is, that is the, very often the case in life, isn't it? You know that proverb, pride goes before a fall. That actually is from, from the book of Proverbs. It's from the Bible, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18, which the NIV says, uh, pride comes, goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. So we know that this is, seems to be something in the way of the world, that pride comes first and then after that there comes destruction. If you're, you're proud, that will lead to downfall. There is something that, that we see very often in the world. Well, this is what we see happening uh, to Nebuchadnezzar. And we've been seeing the build-up to this over the last couple of weeks as we've been looking at chapter 4. And now we, we come to the end of this particular um, episode. And it just starts out there in verse 28 saying all this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. So if you were here last week you remember that Daniel had been warning Nebuchadnezzar he said um, be pleased to accept my advice renounce your sins by doing what is right uh, and, and um, clearly he hadn't listened to that. So he hadn't repented and all of it happened. So how did it happen? Well it was a year later so God had given Nebuchadnezzar a year to listen and to repent. So he, you know, even though this judgment had been pronounced, he'd still given him a year uh, to listen, but he hadn't. And um, he was walking on the roof of the palace of Babylon and he said, is not this the great Babylon I have built as a royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? Um, now, I don't know if you know anything about um, ancient Babylon. I mean, I didn't know you know, you've heard presumably about the Hanging Gardens of Babylon and about how Babylon was sort of a, um, a beautiful place. But let me read you a description um, of how impressive Babylon was. Babylon was a rectangularly shaped city surrounded by a broad and deep water-filled moat and then by an intricate system of double walls. The first double wall system encompassed the main city its inner wall was 21 feet thick and reinforced with defense, defense towers at 60 foot intervals, 
while the outer wall was 11 feet in width and also had watchtowers. Later, Nebuchadnezzar added another double wall system, an outer wall 25 feet thick and an inner wall 23 feet thick, east of the Euphrates, that ran the incredible distance of 17 miles and was wide enough at the top for chariots to pass. The height of the walls is not known, but the Ishtar Gate was 40 feet high and the walls would have approximated this size. A 40-foot wall would have been a formidable barrier for enemy soldiers. So that just gives you a flavour of how impressive Babylon was. You know, walls so thick that you could pass chariots on them, 40-foot high walls, um, and that was just the defences. And so, um, by the way, that was from um, Dale Ralph Davis quotes that in the, his um, commentary. So this is um, a very impressive city. So when Nebuchadnezzar was standing on top of his palace looking out at everything, he was, you know, there was enough there to be impressed with. You know, that he wasn't looking out on, you know, sort of shantytown and being proud of that. It, there was actually, you know, if you like, something to be proud of. It was an achievement. Um, but what was the problem? The problem was pride. As he says at the end, those who walk in pride, he is able uh, to humble. So what is pride? What is pride? What was, what was so bad about what, what Nebuchadnezzar actually did? It has been um, noted by many um, theologians over the years that pride is the root of sin. It's the root of our uh, sinfulness. It, it comes very close to the heart. And that's because it is putting ourselves in God's place. You know, think about Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 3. What was their sin there? Their sin was really deciding for themselves what was good and right and thinking that they knew best what was good for them, thinking that they knew best what, uh, what would make them happy, ignoring God, ignoring obedience to him and turning to, to themselves. So pride is, if you like, independence from God. It is thinking that, you know, we know best. It is thinking that everything as well that, that we have has been an achievement of ourselves and ignoring everything that God has given us. I heard a good example of this last night. Funnily enough, last night I was listening to, um, to a, a podcast, a Cooper and Carey podcast, um, I think I mentioned it once before, it's with Barry Cooper who presented the Discipleship Explored course. Um, you know, we did that as a church a couple of years ago. But um, yeah, uh, they were talking and he actually mentioned this passage because they were talking about pride. And he said he was in an airport um, a little while ago and it, someone was wearing a t-shirt. It was obviously a, a man who spent a lot of time in the gym. Uh, you know, he was a muscular guy, a big guy. And he had this t-shirt on that said, um, uh, built, not born. And the idea being that everything, you know, he was, he built himself. You know, he wasn't born that way. It was just his own achievement, his success, the hours that he spent in the gym. That was his success. That was his achievement. And that is, if you like, something that, that's pride, isn't it? You know, saying that actually it comes to me. It's my achievement. And it's not something that's been, been given. But as, uh, as Paul says in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, he says, What do you have that you did not receive? 
And if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you think about it, everything that belongs to us, we received from God. Even the, the very situation, I mean, some people like to boast that they you know, were um, a self-made man, like Alan Sugar, for example, what was it? he started out selling aerials or something, you know, when he, in, in, from a garage. Same with Richard Branson. But you think about it, even the drive to do that came from God. Even the opportunity to do that, the, the steps, it all came from God, everything. So pride is, is about ignoring God, ignoring our dependence on God, thinking that it's all down to us. It's all our own achievement. Uh, it's not about pretending that we don't have nice things or that we don't have good things. Now, it wouldn't have been humble of Nebuchadnezzar to look around at Babylon and to say, well, this is a load of rubbish, isn't it? That's a kind of false humility. Sometimes we confuse that with humility, that if we just call something rubbish, it's, it's humble. That's not, that's not humility. I mentioned last week, um, my uh, college principal used to say, uh, humility is not a clever man pretending he's stupid. Humility is, is not pretending that the things we have are not good, but it's actually accepting that they are from God, not our own achievement, and they're to be used for him. So that's what, what pride is, and that's what Nebuchadnezzar was doing. He was ignoring God. He was putting it all down to his own achievement, putting himself in, in God's place, really. And so this message comes. Um, it says, even as the words are on his lips, a voice came from heaven. And I was just thinking about how, you know, the, there's that, that message of Daniel, there is a God in heaven. There is a God in heaven. And the voice came from the God that he didn't believe in. And uh, it says, this is what's decreed for you, um, King Nebuchadnezzar. It says, uh, your royal authority has been taken away. You'll be driven away from people and will live with wild animals um, and so on until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign and gives them to anyone that he wishes. So he's saying, you know, you need to be taken down a peg or two or three, uh, Nebuchadnezzar. You know, you will be humbled until you acknowledge there is a God in heaven, until you acknowledge this God who gave you your position, who gave you everything that you have, you'll be humbled. And it says it's fulfilled there in verse 33 immediately what had been said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled immediately. God didn't waste any time. He'd given him a year, but at that point, that was the, that was the moment that it was, it was fulfilled. And you know, sometimes we think God is slow in keeping his promises, but he's never slow. Sometimes he gives us time to, to think, to repent, whatever it may be, but he's never slow in fulfilling his promises. And then um, all of this came to pass. Nebuchadnezzar was driven away and, and so on. And it's a real, it is a real um, blow to his pride, you know, driven away eating the grass like the wild animals. His, um, his body drenched with the dew of heaven. His hair grew like feathers and uh, nails like the claws of a bird, becoming like an animal. I mean, it's a, a deep kind of humbling, isn't it, of, of Nebuchadnezzar to be like an animal. But then, at the end of that time, it says, I, Nebuchadnezzar, remember that this is his own personal testimony. Uh, he, he says, I raised my eyes towards heaven and my sanity was restored. I raised my eyes towards heaven. You think that um, that was the God that he didn't believe in. You know, there is a God in heaven. 
So when he raised his eyes towards heaven, then his sanity was restored. And um, I just think that what a, that's a great parable for our times, I think, actually. You know, when you think of all of the, the, the chaos that's going on uh, in the world, all over the world, in many different ways, you know, it's when we lift our eyes to God, when we look and acknowledge him, that actually that, that, that's what puts everything else into, um, into its place. Now, when we look to God, that's, that gives our, our lives and, you know, even bigger than that, you know, our country's uh, meaning. And Nebuchadnezzar, he, uh, he gives glory to God. He says, then I praise the Most High and I honoured and glorified him who lives forever. And there's this lovely hymn here. Um, it's sort of almost like a psalm or a hymn or something. He sings a song of praise um, to God. Uh, he praises him. So it, it's... Um, puts him in his right place. He's giving glory to God, which he wasn't doing before. But Nebuchadnezzar has discovered, has found his, his true um, position. He gives glory to the king of heaven. And, um, and it says, verses 36 to 37, the end of the chapter, uh, at the same time that my sanity was restored, my honour and splendour were returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. Just by the way, something which um, uh, Dale Ralph Davis notes, which um, I thought was a good point, is you know, how often do we give thanks to God for our faculties of, of reason, of thinking, of you know, sanity, if you like. It's not something that we often think about, is it? How God you know, enables us to be people who, who think and who, you know, who can have that, that faculty of mind. But um, it is something that to, to, to praise God for. And so um, uh, Nebuchadnezzar was restored and he was restored to his throne and became even greater than before, it says. So there's the grace of God, isn't it? You know, that although God could have just removed Nebuchadnezzar and given the kingdom to someone else, he didn't. He, he took it away from Nebuchadnezzar for a time and we're not entirely sure how long that, that was, you know, uh, seven and a half months maybe. Um, but he took it away from him for a time and then he restored it and he became greater. But Nebuchadnezzar had learnt his lesson. He'd learnt to give glory and praise to the king of heaven. And he'd learnt that those who walk in pride he's able to humble. So you think, as we thought about at the start of this chapter, Nebuchadnezzar became this sort of evangelist really, saying, you know, I want, I want to tell you what God has done for me. I want you to to worship the Lord and he learnt this lesson and he wanted to give that to other people and you know I think that this is a really good message for us because you know, when we go through times where we can't understand often God is doing something so that afterwards we will have a word to say to someone else um, and I'm sure we've all been through you know, difficult times. We can all say perhaps how this has worked in different ways in our lives. I know, for example, for myself that, you know, the difficult times I've been through in my life, for example, when my mum was dying a few years ago, I think it happened for a reason because certainly it's given me a new sympathy for people who are going through difficult times like that and I, I've got things I can share with them. So God is able to use those times um, and I hope that this is a comfort to us in remembering that God is able to work in our lives and, and uses even our struggles for, for a purpose. 
So let's, uh, as we come to the end of this, this, uh, this passage and this kind of episode in Nebuchadnezzar's life, what can we draw from this? What, can we, what lessons can we take uh, into this coming week? Well, I think it's a good lesson uh, about who is in charge of world history. It's so easy, isn't it, to, to look around at things happening and to forget that God is sovereign over world history. You know, pride is not something that only affects kings, but it affects all of us, doesn't it? Pride is something that, that is a temptation for every single one of us. I always remember this quote. I learnt this at college, but um, it, it's really stuck with me. Apparently, this is from Alfonso the Wise. Had I been present at the creation, I would have given some useful hints for the better ordering of the universe. And um, you think, I mean, you might laugh at that because it is silly, but at the same time, I think there is a little bit of that in each one of us, isn't there? You know, if I'd been present at the creation, I would have told God how to better order the universe. And I would have said to him, look, stop all of these dictators, stop all of these tyrants, stop all of the pain, stop all of that. No, don't do that, do this. And you think, I mean, how silly, isn't it, to think that we could tell God how to order the universe? But that is what we do. And I think, you know, it's important to remember who is in charge and to remember to give glory to him that God, although we may not see it, it's his plans and his purposes uh, in the universe. More close to home, I think it's also important to to give glory to God for the gifts, the achievements that, that we've managed in our own lives. Um, and this doesn't mean, like I said, um, pretending that we don't have any or pretending that we don't have any achievements. That's not giving glory to God. But actually, is you know, when we pray to God and ask for his help, and then when we come back to him to give thanks, that is giving, that is giving glory to God, knowing you know, I can't achieve this on my own. But God, please help me. And then thank you, God, for enabling me to do this. That's giving glory to God. And when we are prepared to say that in front of other people as well, and not necessarily all the time, but, um, you know, I, I always like to... If someone um, compliments me on, on something, I like to try and say, well, it, it's because of God. And you can't say that all the time, and you know, but um, it's just good to remember, isn't it, that... The, the good things that we do and the good things that we've done are from God in the end. And um, to use our gifts for him as well. You know, we've been thinking about gifts um, in our Sunday morning services, but to use the things that God has given us for him in the right ways. Because God does give us uh, all sorts of gifts, you know, our position, our personalities, everything, uh, for a reason. And he wants us to use them. But he wants us to use them for him and in the right ways. So we give it to him. And then God enables greater things to happen. It's not a cause for pride. It's a cause for humility as we see God working through us. I'd just like to finish by quoting Philippians chapter 2. I was, as I was thinking about this passage, I was thinking about Jesus' example of humility. I was thinking, you know, Jesus... When he, he came you know, with the disciples, he could have, you know, shown them the, um, look up at the sky. You see those stars? I made them. You know, see the Milky Way? Well, I made that. Um, you know, taking them to the Grand Canyon. You see that? That's my handiwork. Um, you know, it, he had every reason, like Nebuchadnezzar, 
to, to, you know, he could have showed them the whole universe and said, well, that's all mine, but he didn't. In fact, he, he chose to come and be born as a servant. And I was thinking, what an example of humility and what an example for us to follow. I'll finish with these words. This is Philippians chapter 2, verses, uh, verses 5 to 8. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen.